Thanks for joining us this morning. It is good to be together. I want to welcome everyone here this morning. I want to thank everyone that was involved yesterday in a service project that we did. Uh, we worked with Rebuilding Together Mid-Columbia, a great organization, uh, helping uh, people that uh, could not otherwise because of finances uh, or uh, just the conditions of their home stay in their home. So um, uh, it's a great organization. Yesterday we worked on building a wheelchair ramp uh, for a gal in need, and, uh, and that was a great experience fun to work with your hands, fun to be together, and um, friends, it's what we're about. Um, we, we believe we've been blessed to be a blessing to our community, a blessing to people around us, and so that was a beautiful thing. Thanks for participating in that. So if you've been with us recently, you know that we've been in a series um, called Belong, Believe, Become. I didn't pull the slide up there this week, but Belong, Believe, Become. Uh, we've been talking about this since we began. We're a two-year-old church, and uh, we, we realize that so often in, in our faith communities and our churches, um, it kind of goes backwards. It kind of goes like, if, if you act like us, if you believe like us, then you can be one of us, right? That's often, at least how it feels. Now, that's an unspoken thing, but often the experience that we'd had, but we looked at Jesus and the way he operated, and we looked at the gospel, this open invitation of love and grace, and we were like, I, 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 think, I think we've got it backwards at time. Uh, belonging comes first. And so that's what we dreamed of when we began this journey, a community in which anyone is welcome to belong, a community in which diversity is celebrated towards inclusion uh, and, 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 and towards equality, right? So belonging comes first, and, uh, and we invite people to belong. Uh, it's in the context, this is what we've been talking through, we talked about belonging, um, radical inclusion and love, the way we live our lives and the way we engage the world around us. We talked about belonging in the context of the church, and that is the open invitation of Jesus, that we as a church are for uh, people around us, that, that it is our uh, obligation and opportunity Opportunity to be a, a people of invitation. Come and know Jesus, right? Um, and, and then we begin to talk about believing. And last week, Sarah spoke on the subject of uh, believing experiences that lead towards belief. Um, realizing that in Jesus' ministry, uh, you know, he called his apostles, uh, his 12 closest, and he said, follow me. An invitation to follow, an invitation to participate in the ministry, an invitation to see what he does. And it was the purpose of a disciple in the first century uh, to do what his master does and know what his master knows. I think that's a simple definition of discipleship, a good working definition for us. It is our, it is our goal and dream to know what Jesus knows and to do what Jesus did. It is our invitation to participate in what God is doing. And so we talked about experiences that lead towards belief last week. And this week, I want to talk about this, this moment of belief, this moment in life when everything changes. You know those moments in life um, where you realize, oh my goodness, this just got real, right? Those moments where it like switches from like this thought to, wow, this has become extremely real. You might remember it the first time uh, you rode a mo motorcycle. That was one of them for me. Like, my life changed the day I rode a motorcycle for the first time. Um, you, you probably remember it uh, as you said your wedding vows, right? It, everything led up to it, but everything felt like a whirlwind, but it's like time slows down as you say those words in front of the witnesses. Or maybe you remember the first time you held your child, Right? And, and you're like, oh my goodness, this changes everything. Things just got real, right? And some of us are anticipating that moment uh, very soon, right? Um, yeah, but those moments in life where you realize, well, this, this changes everything. 
And I want to talk about the uh, spiritual moment in our lives, the moment in our Christian journeys in, in which we come to believe, in which we confess Jesus as our Savior, and we realize in that moment this changes everything. And as I speak on the subject today, I, I uh, fully acknowledge that some of us in here uh, accepted Jesus many years ago, chose him as our Lord and our Savior many years ago, uh, and many of us in this room today continue to ask questions of faith. Some of us are on a journey towards believing but have questions or doubts or struggles, uh, and, and I want to invite all of us in this room, wherever we're at on that faith journey, uh, just to consider uh, the subject of belief in Jesus. You're invited uh, to, to take this in, process it, and do with it what you will. We are smart people. You are a capable person. But let's talk to get t- together today about the subject of believing in Jesus and putting our faith in him. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, and um, this is a story of one of Jesus' 12 apostles um, uh, coming to that moment of belief in his life. At this point, Jesus had been leading them for some time. They'd been uh, watching him heal. They'd been participating in his ministry in different ways. And, uh, and Jesus, uh, you know, f- for a long time, They've been wondering, who is this man? And so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still other Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So Jesus says, who do people say I am, Son of Man, a title that he had for himself? Um, he, he says, who do people say that I am? And they kind of cover their bases, right? Well, maybe it's John the Baptist back. Maybe you're one of the prophets like Elijah. Uh, maybe, maybe you're Jeremiah come back. We know you're someone special, uh, but, but, but people have different ideas on who you might be. And I want to pause a moment and, and listen to this question in, uh, in historical context. See, the Israelites for 400 years now uh, have been without a prophet. Uh, for, for many years, they've, they've uh, pressed on through the silence. Uh, prior to that, they had lost their sovereignty as an Israelite nation. They no longer have a king sitting on a throne, but just a vassal ruler, when at this point Rome is in charge. Before that, Babylon, the Assyrians. There's been, there's, there's been such tumultuous time. They've lost their identity as a people, as a nation, They've struggled to hear the voice of God. Uh, all of that the result of having turned their back on God and given up on this covenant relationship that they were living in. And here they are lost, right? Here they are uh, unable to hear the voice of God and desperately wanting more. But when the prophets were speaking a few hundred years ago, remember, they, they would say, but the Messiah will come. A king will sit on the throne of David again. And so in the back of Israel's mind, they're dreaming that maybe someday a king will come and lift us out of this. There's this, there's this hope, there's this dream, there's this wish that something could change. Along comes this man named Jesus. And he's doing incredible things. And people are literally asking the questions after he'll stop the waves or after he'll uh, say, your sins are forgiven. They'd say, who is this that would even 
forgive sins. Who is this uh, that, that even the wind and the waves obey him? And in this moment, Jesus says, so, so who do people think I am? Right? Speaking to this broken, lost nation of Israel, he says, what are they imagining about me? What are they coming to understand about me? They cover their bases. Maybe you're one of the prophets, something like that. And in verse 15, he says, um, but, what do you, uh, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. In Peter's life, this was the moment, right? Jesus turns his attention away from, what does everyone else say to you? What do you believe about me? And in this moment, Peter says, you're the Messiah. You are the one we have been waiting for. And I want you to imagine for a moment the way this changes, like Peter's relationship with Jesus, the way this changes the way he lives his life. For some time he's been following, and somewhere in the back of his mind he was maybe developing this belief, maybe he could be the one. But can you imagine the moment when sitting face to face, Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're our Savior, you're my Lord. Right? This incredible moment in which Everything changes. This just got really real. It is out there. It is no longer a thought in the back of my head, but this has just become very real if we're Peter. And I want to take a minute to talk about this idea of belief and, and faith, because quite often those u- words are used interchangeably. Even in uh, some of our New Testament translations use kind of the word belief and faith interchangeably, and that's because they are quite related. So belief uh, is kind of on this cognitive level, right? It's what Peter's been doing for some time as he's considering, who is this man Jesus? Maybe he's the Messiah. Belief is beginning to grow in him, but it's this cognitive experience. Uh, belief can be defined as an opinion or a judgment in which a person is full, fully persuaded, right? So Peter has been growing in this belief and this persuasion that this could be the Messiah, But biblical faith takes the subject of belief one step further. So not only does faith refer to a belief, this cognitive, this head-level part of us, um, but but faith in in the biblical sense uh, moves towards action and towards confidence, right? So, So faith says, I believe with such confidence that it changes the way I live my life. It changes who I am. In this moment, as Peter confesses Jesus as his Savior, just imagine the confidence it takes to say it out loud and the life change, the the difference that it makes in the way he lives, we live. In James chapter 2, we won't go there, um, but it, it says this, faith without works is dead. What good is it to claim to have faith? but not live it out, right? And so there's the subject of belief is good, but faith goes further than that into a lifestyle, the, the way that we live. I've heard an illustration about like an airplane. Did you know a Boeing 727 weighs um, 170,000 pounds? 170,000 pounds. Your car weighs like 6,000 pounds. 170,000 pounds these airplanes weigh. And you've seen how big the wing is compared to the fuselage and the, and the rest of that. And yet everyone in this room would probably say, yeah, I I believe a plane can fly. I know a plane can fly. I've seen it do it. But the difference between belief and faith is when you buy a ticket and you sit down on that airplane and they close the door. 
and begin to taxi down the runway. See, that's, that's the faith in the subject. It's like we can all say, yeah, an airplane can fly, no problem. We believe that. We know that. We think that to be true. But the difference is when you're actually willing to pay the money for the ticket and to sit down on the plane. And, and that's the difference in belief and faith in our lives. There's this head-level thing that, sure, I believe in Jesus, or, yeah, I believe God probably created the world. And, and, and lots of us culturally believe something of a God right? There's this belief that that's just this ethereal, far-off thing. But faith takes it this step further, where we begin to change the way we live, where it transforms us. The becoming part comes as we get the belief on the head level and move towards the faith that begins to take root in confidence and in action in our lives. So I want to look at two other just really quick stories about people that come to believe in Jesus, experiences that people have um, that in which they confess Jesus to be the Messiah. You see, sometimes it happens with great confidence. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27, it says this, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, "Uh, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Okay, so in this text, uh, we have this fascinating little story where two blind men are following Jesus. Have you ever stopped to ask how they're doing that? They're blind after all, right? I thought that was a little ironic. I'd never noticed that before. But for whatever, however it's happening, uh, these men are following Jesus. Uh, likely a whole crowd is following him. Jesus comes to this house, and, um, and, and they follow him into the house. They have him cornered. Uh, and Jesus asks them the question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And in this moment, they can confidently say, yes, Lord. Men desperate for his help but confidently able to say, yes, Lord, I believe. And he says, according to your faith, it'll be done for you. Now, this is far from the last time or the only time that faith will be associated with miracles or with healing and things like that. In fact, later on, Paul will say the the, the prayer uh, offered in faith will make a sick person well, right? Over and over in Scripture, we see the measure of faith um, also equated with the opportunity afforded in any given moment. And so for those of us that are people of faith, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, uh, there's this reminder of the confidence aspect of faith. It's not just about belief. It's not just about doing a service project, but it's about a confidence. It's about a trust. It's about a reliance. Quite often in Scripture, we'll read of a, of a hope uh, of eternal life or a hope of heaven, uh, a hope of an afterlife, right? But it doesn't mean like the kind of hope we have that we would win the lottery. It doesn't speak of like a, I wish it would happen. Oh man, I really hope. Wouldn't it be cool if that's not the hope, that's not the confidence that faith speaks of, but instead it speaks of a hope, a confident assurance that it will be. So sometimes we approach Jesus and we find ourselves with great confidence. But let's be honest, uh, it doesn't always play out that way in our lives. And some of us aren't at that point. We struggle with unbelief on the head level. In the way we choose to live our lives, we struggle with the questions of faith. And so look, at, look with me at, at Mark chapter 9, verse 21, 
one of my favorite characters in scripture. Uh, it's not, uh, we don't know too terribly much about him. But he has this interaction with Jesus where he comes with a son who was uh, demon-possessed um, and his, his entire life had been hurting. Mark chapter 9, verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Well, from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Uh, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I love the honesty. I love how how real this guy and this interaction is. So often he reflects my thoughts. So often he, you know, so often my thoughts reflect his experience. Because let's be honest, we wouldn't be planning a church, we wouldn't be sitting in this room if there wasn't belief, if there wasn't faith. But if you're anything like me, there's those moments in life when we call out to God saying, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And and, and I want to say, on the one hand, it shows a, a lack of faith, right? It, it shows our, our humanness, our frailty. It shows weakness that we could, that we would admit that. On the other hand, could there be a more beautiful posture towards our Savior than to say, I'm giving you every bit of belief I have. Work with me where I'm still weak. Work with me where I still fall short. Increase my faith. Increase my belief that I can know more of you. And so this man comes in a desperate situation begging that his son would be healed, just like many of us come from different places in life, some of us feeling quite good, life is going quite well, and some of us in a broken place saying, Jesus, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And so we move in this subject to um, kind of where each of us are at today. We ask ourselves the question of, um, where am I at in my faith journey? Right? Uh, some of us have, have confessed Jesus as our Savior. Some of us ha- have yet to take that step. But each of us somewhere on this faith journey. And I want to read to you Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And we're going to come back to this passage as, as we close out. But Romans 10, 9, it says this. Um, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus said, and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, there's this beautiful invitation. And if we will give Jesus our hearts, our thoughts, if we'll confess him with our mouths, that there is hope and salvation in that. And we believe that. Um, that God's good gift of grace, God's good loving act of sacrifice Jesus' resurrection, and our hope for the same is found in simply this, our faith placed in him, our ability to say Jesus is Lord, and our ability to invite him to transform us, to change our lives. So today, I I want us to consider, for those of us that have yet to accept Jesus as our Savior, uh, take a little inventory today. Spend some time questioning, where am I at in my journey of belief? My hunch is that each of us here are here for a reason, because there is some inclining inclining of belief in our lives. There is some 
piece of there's something to this Jesus guy, right? I, I need to know more. Each of us is somewhere on that faith journey, and many of us have accepted Jesus as, as our Savior. And today is a day that we invite ourselves to ask the question of where am I at in my faith journey? Am I, t- am I living confidently out the life that I've claimed, right? Am I engaged in, in what I am to be engaged as a person of faith? Am I living the life? Am I living confidently? Am I taking action and living out the belief that I have? So here's what we're going to do as we close out service today. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna take communion together. Um, and, uh, and the reason I wanted to save communion for the end, we try it once a month to take communion together as a group. And communion is this beautiful experience. I know that some of us are uh, quite familiar with it and some of us not so much. So I want to explain a little bit about communion today. Uh, Jesus, on the night before he would be arrested, shortly before he would be crucified, he was sitting with his apostles, his, his closest followers, and uh, they were sitting over a Passover feast, this Jewish uh, feast and festival. And, and uh, they were sitting over this meal and Jesus took the bread and, uh, and he says, um, he says, when you break bread together, uh, remember my body that'll be broken for you. And, uh, and he says, and, and as you drink this fruit of the vine, this wine, this grape juice, I want you to remember my blood that would, would be shed. And so we come together and we take communion, uh, to remember Jesus and his sacrifice. But we remember, we remember that the story didn't stop there. Instead, we remember that God rose him from the dead. You remember that Rose, Romans 10 passage, if it's accessible, throw it back up there. He says, if you'll um, declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that he was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. And so today, as followers of Jesus, those that, um, that, uh, that are, that are people living out the faith that we've been given, that we've been blessed with, I'm going to invite you today, uh, to take communion together. Um, I'm going to invite you in just a moment uh, to go and grab a piece of bread and dip it in the grape juice and bring it back with you. And we're going to take communion together um, after we've uh, after we've uh, said a, a communion prayer together. So as Sally plays a little bit for us, let's go ahead and take grab communion and bring it back with us, and we'll take it together in just a moment. So today with this bread and, uh, and this grape juice, we remember Jesus. We remember his sacrifice. We remember his love. We remember that he rose again. And in this, we proclaim his death, his burial, his resurrection. In taking this, we remember uh, his goodness and his love. Uh, it's designed as a communal feast. It's designed that together we proclaim. It's designed that we encourage and remind each other about Jesus and the faith that we have professed in him. So I'm going to say uh, just a simple prayer that, that I wrote uh, revolves around um, that Romans 10 passage, and I'd invite you to say it with me if you want. It's a prayer of our confession. It's a prayer of our belief in Jesus. So if you'd like to uh, say this with me, and we'll take communion together. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that God raised him from the dead. We believe our hope and salvation is found in Jesus. We do this in remembrance of him. Let's take communion together. Father God, we thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for this time together. 
Father, we thank you for um, the belief that we have. Father, we pray that you will increase our belief. We thank you uh, for hope found in Jesus. And uh, we thank you for a time to remember his sacrifice, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. God, we proclaim that you are powerful, and we invite you to work powerfully in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.